before we get into the podcast today, I want to share an exciting opportunity for you and your leadership team. Now, our team at Lifeway Leadership is bringing the ever-popular Pipeline Conference to Orange County, California on February 22nd. So Pipeline West, as we're calling it, will be an event like none other. You have to come, you have to attend, because it's not just a conference, it's a training conference. You and your team will walk away with practical steps to launch your leadership pipeline at your church. You'll hear from Carrie Newoff, Albert Tate, Tom Rayner, Eric Geiger, Daniel M., and more. This event will have plenary sessions, shorter practical TED-style talks, and Q&A with speakers. So we also offer a second day that you'll want to take a look at. It provides coaching and implementation help for you and your team. So join us at Pipeline West. Get your tickets at myleadershippipeline.com. Register now to take advantage of early bird rates. Once again, that's myleadershippipeline.com. Now, enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and I'm joined here today with Eric Geiger. How's it going? And a friend of both of ours. He's been a friend of yours longer than mine. I, I introduced you to you. You did. You did. I don't know who he likes more now over the course of time. Well, we, 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 well we can ask him. We can find out. <laughs> I, 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 think I, I just think I'll just leave you guys guessing on that one. Okay. <laughs> the voice you hear is, uh, is Will Mancini. So if you have uh, studied vision remotely or even, uh, I don't know, even thought about vision, uh, he is probably somebody that you have uh, picked up and read. Totally. If you're a ministry leader and you've thought, I, how do I, I articulate a vision? Do I even have a vision? How do I get a vision? Improve <laughs> my vision. Recast a vision. Yeah. How do I? How do I lead with clarity where I am? You've um, you, you've asked some some people that you trust and respect. You've likely been recommended something that Will has written or said or a post that he's um, he's put out there. Uh, I think this the first book that that really grabbed attention in this space was a very helpful read called Church Unique. Absolutely. What, what year did you write that, Will? That, uh, I wrote it in 2007 and it came out in 2008, February. And so it, it really uh, was a helpful, it's a, it's not a, uh, I've never told you this, Will, so hopefully this doesn't offend you. It's not a super <laughs> quick read, right? It, you, have to, no. you have to kind of put your, yeah, you got to grab a pen. Kind of a toolbox or, yep. or a resource, you know, yes. and I, I tell guys if, you know, if you, if you're at a NyQuil, you can always put that on your nightstand and that works fine. <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, it really is. It's like the textbook read. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yep. It's very uh-huh. help, very uh, well documented, very helpful, great frameworks. And so, I, you know, Todd, you and I love frameworks. Yes. You know, where where we have something we can grab and take to a staff meeting or. Um, or uh, you know a group of leaders gathering around looking for for some handles to put some key concepts on, and so Will's always been really good at at, at providing that, and did so in Church Unique, but also has has done so in many ways outside of the book. Also, the leader of, founder of, and leader of Exano, which has consulted and consulting is actually the more of the servicey word. Really, help the right word is navigate. So navigated ministry leaders, church leaders through seasons of growth and seasons of change in their context, all but all through the lens of who are we, what's our unique mission and identity and vision as a church in our community, our local predicament. Here I am spouting out the language, Will. Uh, but they're, they're, I love it. I love the, it. The helpful, the helpful language that Will's provided. So uh, anyway, well, you want to jump into the questions? Absolutely. 
We can get his. Well, tell us. Uh, wait, let's let him tell us a little bit about himself. Okay, go he's ahead. He's got Will. a. He's got a recent addition. That's true, man. Home yeah. dude's having kids late. <laughs> I, we're we're calling it family 2.0. That's right. After I have a 24 year old, a 21 year old, an 18 year old, Jacob, Joel, and Abby, and those guys are all out of the house now. But uh, decided to lay an egg, literally in an empty nest, and I have a seven month old daughter. So awesome. and uh, Way to we're go. We're having the time of our lives most of the time, but it was a little crazy thing to do at at, uh, at age 47. So, yeah. That's, that's great, man. Hey. So you're going to be able to retire when you're 67 years old. Congratulations. <laughs> Every time. You're I empty nest again at 67. I start to get stressed out because uh, uh, we're going to have a baby in March. Have you I told haven't. everybody yet what, what, what the uh, gender no. is? I'm having a- can, I, can I say it right now? Go for it. Will, he's also having a girl, which I'm so excited because he's got two boys and now he's got one girl. And so oh, Sienna, awesome. his his first daughter, who basically runs the she house. Does. She does. She's a clone of her mama. I can't wait for him to have another girl in that house. Yes. It's going to be awesome to see. You need to get softened uh, up a little bit. I do need to get softened up a little bit. And, and my daughters well, have totally done that. Uh, luckily, um, actually, I don't, I don't think my current daughter, Sienna, is going to. She's not going to stretch me in that. She is, <laughs> she's very much of a tomboy. And I soften up. I mean, uh, my daughters have helped me. G- girls tend to be they're, they're more re- um, relationally savvy than boys. They're right. more they're more they're wiser when it comes to soft skills than boys. Right. And so, being a dad to girls has actually helped me become not so relationally ignorant. <laughs> To my to my own family, so I'm saying you need a little bit more of that, Todd. <laughs> Thanks. All right, let's get into it. So, first question, uh, and this really, you know, Will is totally a, a conversation between all of us. Um, but I want to point this question to you: Where does vision come from? You know, the easy answer is God. You know, I, I all okay. vision is for the for the <laughs> spiritual leader. It's got to be, you know. God is God is the ultimate visionary. He's the chief visionary. He, you know, he, he's, he's the Big Bang. You know, everything in Scripture shows that God is just dreaming and imagining, and He's out ahead of us. So, obviously, there's a lot of practical ways that we discern it and clarify it. But uh, I would start there. You know, it's it's not our ideas. There are God ideas that we that we work with. So earlier, uh, Eric made a, a couple of references to there's a, a lovely uh, Venn diagram that you have in there of three overlapping circles in Church Unique. Um, can you kind of talk about what those are? Because I think that does yep. help articulate where your vision should come from. Yeah, absolutely. So as you pursue God and, um, and obviously the revelation he's given us when it comes to the, you know, the process, the means of discovery, we, uh, as Eric referenced, we call it the kingdom concept. It's a simple transferable tool. And we're, we're encouraged, we encourage leaders to look at three through three lenses or these three circles. And we talk about really the unique context or place where God has put you. And we call that local predicament. We talk about the unique capacities, assets, you know, the, the gifts and passions to leverage, if, if you will, in the whole uh, congregation. So the family of God that you lead or that you shepherd, uh, what are all what are, what are all those things? And that's kind of your unique people. And we call that collective potential. And then the third circle is really the passion of the leaders. So assuming that God is speaking to leaders and that different leaders are animated and motivated, you know, different kinds of holy discontent, 
we, uh, we, we, we look at the unique passions and we, we have a, a quirky little term for that, but we use it as a springboard to teach and we call that apostolic esprit. So the apostolic esprit. there is that See, esprit. Now, now once I have another daughter, I'll probably learn what that word means. There you go. That sounds that's like one of those, word. That's one of those. There you go. It is. It is. It is. It's just that esprit de corps idea of a practical atmospheric energy and excitement that you can feel when you walk into a room. So, and the apostolic is just the, you know, the, that common idea of being a sent one. Uh, so mission apostle are the same root ideas. One's Latin, one's Greek to be sent. So as a sent one, you know, to your area, what, what, what creates excitement, you know, what puts a bounce in your step and you know, what, what, what makes your heart beat fast, that kind of thing. So we're looking for the overlap of the uniqueness of your, your context or place, the capacities that God's put in the people that you serve and serve with, and then in your, 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 you know, differentiated, unique passion. And I, one of the things is I, as I've uh, drawn up that Venn diagram for folks before, Will, and this is like a double click on this question. So you have the local predicament, you have the, the, the leaders, right? And then you have, or, or, or the passion, the, the holy discontent of the leaders, and then you have the people that the Lord's brought to. So we're, we're talking about a local church context, the people the Lord's brought yeah. to your context. And yeah. so when, on that, that circle of the people the Lord's brought, how much of that as you're navigating a leadership team through this, are you asking them to look at the people in their congregation as it exists today or basically the people that, or you know, within a the surrounding community, surrounding community, yeah. How much of that is? Hey, here's you know. Say, so what if you're going into a, a context where the leadership team feels there's going to need to be some significant changes? You know, uh, are you looking at the people that are there currently, or are you looking at the people that will be there? Yeah, yeah. Great, great question. We, I really emphasize on what you what you currently have. So you're really okay. doing an inventory. And one thing that's important too is to we say people, and that's the, the obviously the primary thing. But we look at it as the assets of, of the whole church too. What are the buildings? What is the land? What is the you know location? Uh, accessibility might be an opportunity to, to leverage. So we draw a pretty wide circle around around any of the potential. But yeah, we look at that. And, and what I would say is you know you've got to you know kind of bloom where you're planted. You've got to work with what God is provided and given you. So, uh, one quick kind of nuance there is if you, you know, anywhere you do want to lead change, you're going to have to start with the people that you have and, and the gifts and, you know, capacities that you have. So we, we would, you know, encourage, um, just drilling down and getting a really clear snapshot of, of, uh, of all the current potential there. That's great. All right. So yeah. moving to second, second question. How important is it to cl- is clarity division? So a lot of times it's been said for a long time, and you've seen it, I've seen it, Todd, you've seen it, where uh, you'll ask a ministry leader, "Hey, what's why are you on the planet? What, what's the what's the the unique DNA of your church, or what's the mission of your church, or the vision?" And people have a hard time articulating. Uh, sometimes it's a really long statement or they're, they, they, they can't even remember what the statement is or they're, they're, they're searching for it in their phone. Uh, to me, those are all signs of a lack of convictional clarity. How, how important is it, is clarity to, to vision? How, how uh, synonymous are those two? Yeah, yeah, great question. Why? I think, well, I think it's absolutely important. And, and I mean, you, you might as well not even have it if it's not clear is, mm. is so to me, it's, 
it's almost 100% synonymous. The way that I think about it, Eric, it's important in, in my ministry, it's important. Every pastor I've met is a visionary. I mean, there's a sense in which you wouldn't be doing this gig if you weren't, if you didn't have a, a real drive or motivation or moments with the Lord that just you felt compelled to, to, to make this kind of sacrifice and give your life to, to ministry. So most of the folks we work with are visionaries. So it's helpful to clarify what does it mean not to have clarity and it's obviously evident if we don't know what we're going to say at all the moments of truth every day when we can talk about you know where we are as a ministry where we're going that kind of thing but it's helpful i think for people we, we kind of name what that lack of clarity looks like and the way i the way i um, help leaders name that is really by identifying it as generic what we often do we are visionaries but you need more than a general sense of where you're going if you really want to maximize your calling, maximize, you know, the mission that Jesus gave the church. And so uh, it's it's helpful to kind of say, you know, you you probably have some statements, you probably have some things to say when people ask, hey, what, where are you going? What's your ministry about? But um, most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, if I'm going into a situation, it's just overly generic. You know, the answer is overly generic. And so if you couple of thoughts on that. When you're leading with generic vision, uh, small things become more important. Number one, you're kind of robbing yourself of the opportunity to, to be on, uh, to have a compelling, um, you know, message. Uh, I just, I could just unpack it for days. What you're missing. Uh, if you think of the gift of God it is to a human being to be able to look forward to things and all the things that come with that. I mean, energy comes with that anticipation, hope, perseverance through difficult times and challenging times. I mean, looking forward to things is just essential to really being human. It just sets us apart. Uh, and it's part of that Imago day. So if we, if we are uh, robbing ourselves and our leadership teams and our people of just that gift and all the benefits you have of looking forward, and that's got to come through pushing through generic to getting dynamically specific about who we are as a church and, and where, you know, where God is leading us. So there's a, there's a uh, quote I really like that uh, someone once said, we miss our potential. We miss our goal, not because of obstacles, but because of a clear path to a lesser goal. So this idea of generic vision really just makes us very susceptible to kind of lesser, lesser goals, lesser dreams in our yeah, life. So I, I like that. That's, that's a great, say that quote again. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's one of those that I, I just, you know, it takes a while to ponder and get the quote is that we are kept from our goal, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to a lesser goal. Mm -hmm. So, well, I've heard you talk about uh, this and, and you, I, I know you've got a, a good, really good one liner on this, but it has to do with a church that's basically printing their vision. They're getting their vision statement off a copier because photocopied vision statement. They, they got yep. it from the church down the road. Yep. And that's an example, I think, of a generic clear, easy maybe. But but can you speak to that for a minute? Yeah, you know, the, when I got started in this thing was two, was uh, in two thousand one, and really what got me involved in vision consulting was the was that everywhere you would go, I mean, within 
within the first six months of just visiting churches of different sizes, different faith tribes from coast to coast, you could walk into a church within five minutes. You could tell the last conference the staff attended or the last book they read. Mm. So there was, there has been in the last, you know, season of uh, leadership, a tendency just to cut and paste. Uh, Literally we we were in church, uh, me and Brian Rose on the team were in a church in San Diego not too long ago. This is a pretty significant church and making a big impact in the city. They, you know, literally uh, had their about us on their website was the same as Life Church TV. Like every single word, hmm. literally cut and paste. Whoa. So there, there's just a tendency to, you know, keep up with the Joneses. And again, it's a missed opportunity to really walk a, walk a journey and a process to, uh, you know, show off what God's uniquely doing in, in your own life and in your own ministry. So um, I've heard you say, you know, when you when it comes to, you know, your vision and then when once you get into values in particular, um, you want to make sure that you have a, a good blend. But most of those should be things that are actual versus aspirational. So that kind of inspired this third question, which is how do you ensure that vision moves from the wall to the hall? How do you ensure that the vision statement that you, you know, craft and create that's unique and special to you, how do you ensure that, that it actually, uh, has legs? Yeah, I think it's the first step of it is really, you know, the generic stuff never really has legs. So a a lot of folks, you know, throw the idea of vision under the bus or planning under the bus because they really never took enough time to process, you know, really dynamically specific, content. Once you, once you take the time and involve people in that process, um, you know, you have a much higher, uh, chance of, of succeeding, obviously. So I would say literally, you know, great articulation is the first step to implementation. I mean, taking the time to process it well, uh, and, and, uh, just help, help people get excited about it. So, you know, if it's not, if it's not sticky enough and meaningful enough for people just to talk about in every conversation, it'll never, you know, it'll never, uh, take off, obviously. Um, you know, the, what happens is we get, we get, so our, our enemy really is twofold. And we've already talked about one, which is imitation, imitation and busyness just keep us from, you know, implementing the, the, you know, the, the good God ideas that he's given us to, to lead out on. So, you know, practically speaking, just having kind of rhythms of review, uh, continuing to, you know, in, in ministry, we're very, message centric. There's a lot of creative ideas. We're having to preach new sermons every Sunday. So what we, we often want to do is in the newness of new programs, new teaching, we want to keep going back and, you know, going more deeply into what, what, what we already own and what we already you know, have said where, where God's taking us. There's a lot of practical ways of keeping, you know, telling not just fresh stories, but telling fresh stories that reinforce the vision, you know, obviously repeating and rewarding the things that, that show the achievement of the vision. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, most of the time, half of the battle is won just by making the time in staff meetings in the, in the daily stuff to keep that, just to put the burner back under, uh, those big ideas that God's put, put in our hearts. So when you have the, when you have the, the big idea that the Lord's put in your heart, and you've shared with a group of people, this is question four, how do do you measure the ongoing success or the fruition? How do you you keep it in front of people and, and measure progress towards it? Yeah. And I've, I've watched you do this well, Eric. And, um, you know, the, the idea of having one big goal at a time, keeping it simple. Uh, we've, you know, lots of business books have different words for this. You could call it a wildly important goal. 
or you could call it a, you know, a rally cry or, a, you know, just a, a, an annual theme or whatever we call it. We call it a, you know, a, a milestone. What is, what is the next big milestone? So there are a lot of ways to do this, but I, one of the ways we champion is helping every team, every church we work with have one big goal at a time as they move toward you know, a bigger dream. You know, if you don't have one big goal at a time, you're either in one of two places, either you just don't have goals. And of course, many ministry teams don't, and it, or you, you, you have a, you know, a planning day and you do some, you do some work there and it's easy for churches to have too many goals. So we yeah. just, in our movement toward intentionality, we just try to do too much. It's really a predicament. It's easy to fall into. In fact, in fact, Peter Drucker, once said, if you have five goals, you don't have any. Mm-hmm. And so the beauty and simplicity of one big idea, one big goal at a time to move toward is really helpful. One of my favorite stories of this is uh, General Rommel, who uh, was a uh, one of the best tacticians, uh, generals in, in, uh, in world history. He was working for, you know, he was working for the bad guys. So he was a Nazi general, but he, he was able, he was, he was the commander of what was called the ghost division. So this guy could literally move hundreds of tanks across the Sahara desert, hundreds of miles faster than any of his contemporaries. And he was, he was just known as the surprise guy. He, and he, he had lots of wins and, um, people studied his techniques. One of his techniques was you can imagine being in a hot tank in the desert and there's, you know, just dozens of tank drivers and you're rolling, you know, you're, you're, repetitive sound of that caterpillar belt going through the sand of the desert and it's hot and you look outside and you don't sense progress it's just an ocean of sand and you're there for hours driving and one of the one of the techniques that rommel used was he'd have a little advance troop you know a jeep with uh, a bunch of 55 gallon oil drums with a big flag you know uh sticking up for the drum and he always made he always made sure that his his tank uh his tank driver saw a popcorn trail of the next flag so i could always look out you know and see that that the wheels underneath me were taking me somewhere and that flag got closer and as soon as i went by one milestone i could see the next milestone and they literally attributed his genius at maneuvering tanks hundreds of miles to just a simple technique of giving people one visual signpost at a time and what was that's uh, dude uh so i love that you brought that up because i too uh enjoy World War II history, especially the ghost of the desert. Um, One of the things I think that is also a key part of that story is you mentioned it wasn't just a flag. It was petrol cans. It was supplies. And so a lot of times um, it's not just pointing the flag out there. It's helping people understand how we are going to how we're going to accomplish this uh, as well. So it wasn't you had the visual flag and the the direction, uh, but you also had, uh, and here's how, here's from a strategy standpoint, it was very strategic what he did to, to keep momentum uh, and hope, but also at the same time, just the practical, <laughs> the, the, the practical supply chain uh, was also part of that. So that I think is, is absolutely brilliant and something we can learn from as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, and what's, what's, if you think about it, one last thought on that, what happens is it's so easy to put up multiple flags to look at. So different team members are looking at different uh-huh. things and we're pulling in, and before you know it, we're pulling in different directions rather than just having everyone on the same page rowing at one, you know, one big idea at a time. Matt, so how long 
how long when you meet with teams do you say, hey, have one one big goal that you're running after? How long do you encourage them to have that that goal to run after? Is it three months, six months, a year? Is there a time frame? What's uh, what's the, the the general practice that you after you've met with a team for six months, eight months, you've helped them clarify? Uh, what's the recommendation? Yeah, I like Eric. It's really it's really flexible. But I, I for the local church, I encourage them to think about a year. Okay. Um, but it could be it could be you know you could do a semester based goal if you wanted. Uh, but what's nice is to have a long enough one where you can you know really rally the congregation and in involvement toward that and have a few you know you might have some shorter term you know initiatives that are that are all leading up to a culminating uh, big idea. But um, you know uh, I'll give you two examples. Uh, you know one one church is. Uh, personal missions, uh, their, their mission as a church is uh, taking personal risks to bring the gospel to every relationship. You know, it's just a, a fun, you know, big idea for how they, how they make disciples, taking personal risks to bring the gospel to every relationship. And they literally had a 12 month run where they, um, captured, retold and celebrated the stories of 5,000 personal risks. And, you know, just to have put photos to it, have people submit stories, could text stories, submit them lots of different ways. And they just did a 12 month blitz towards storytelling around around that. Uh, uh, the church actually that I'm dialing in from today is uh, in Dallas, a church of about uh, 1200 folks. And one of their milestones several years ago, they uh, they are about three miles away from. Uh, one of the largest refugee uh, areas in the city, a place called Vickery, there's 15,000 refugees there and there's a lot of neediness. And this church had a one year uh, milestone of, they wanted uh, a thousand people from their congregation, they called it the three mile drive, driving three miles at least once a month to serve people in Vickery. And you know the testimonies of energy and progress and just, the excitement of being a part of, of a church that has one big idea like that. I mean, it's, it's remarkable the results that these teams uh, talk about when they, when they get serious about a, an mm -hmm. idea like that. So, but, but those are big enough that you can actually spend a year of programming and messaging and small groups and vision casting uh, to, to run after you don't get tired of it, you know, within a year. Uh, there's, there's a lot of contributing ways to fulfill those, those big, those big goals. That's good. So, you know, over the course of time, a church is going to come to kind of a crossroads. So I want to ask you our, our fifth and final question. How do you navigate the crossroads of recasting and redefining vision? It may be a pivotal point in time in the church history or maybe in the, even the transition of, uh, of a senior pastor. And how, how do you navigate recasting and redefining vision? Yeah. Well, one, you know, we have in the, the, the follow-up to Church Unique was the, the book God Dreams that came out in 2016. And that's uh, really, we kind of double click on vision proper from Church Unique. And we, we roll out this very simple, but powerful visionary planning tool, where it's really a 10 idea, you know, visionary plan, where you have some big ideas long, some big ideas short. And the, the whole goal there is to, to really put some time frames in place. So when we actually have a tool now where we have these recommended renewal patterns. So you're, you're renewing quarterly, you're renewing annually, you're renewing every three years, and then you might have a five or 10 year run that you, that you look at. So I'd say generally speaking, when it comes to a, a bigger sense of what you're called to in the kind of this, the chaptered story of churches, right. you're going to see five to 10 year 
runs, you know, five to 10 year chapters. So I think a good, you know, a good time to reset and make sure is our language of who we are today, our basic ministry DNA, you know, is it still effective language? Hmm. You know, that's an important thing to do. I'd say within five to 10 years and then, you know, resetting that next big dream. What is the next big run going to take? Um, so I, I would say the best leaders that I've worked with, they're going to somewhere between five and 10 years, they're going to do a big update on, on their DNA statement and their sense of, um, you know, what's the next big ministry run and dream look like for us. And, and Will, is that, is that because the context has changed or, or there's been, uh, some, some developing their own heart about what's important or is that at all just they yeah, got bored, you know, it. and then he wants some that's new language. How, so how much of that's healthy and how much of yeah. that is, is, uh, is man, they just, they just, they're just a little tired of saying the same thing. Well, as you, as you know, let me, uh, when I speak to that five to 10 year, I'm talking about the healthy kind of renewal. Okay. So okay. I do, Good. do you want do, and you know, as, as much as anybody, how easy it is to have knee jerk responses or silver bullet syndromes every year and running after, you know, chasing the next flashy thing. So, uh, that kind of relanguaging obviously is, is, uh, is not helpful. But what I would say is there's three things that are changing. Um, the, the context changes. So what's happening mm-hmm. externally in the environment around the church is obviously changing. The, the church itself is changing. In fact, one of the most surprising stats that we, we found from our congregational surveys is in America, about 24% of the congregation, about a fourth of the people that pastors are preaching to have been in that church in less than two years, in the last two years. So churches literally over five, 10 years, they become a different community of people many times. And so just, uh, so you got changes externally, but the church may be becoming, you know, a different kind of family of God or, you know, those kinds of things. And then of course, and I think the most important one is we we have accomplished something. So if leadership is effective, it's like you're driving a car, you know, for five years, and we've gone we've gotten somewhere. We got to look back, assess where God's taken us, and and uh, probably the most exciting thing is if you think of a five year, you know, vision accomplishment of is hitting a you know a summit while you're hiking. Oftentimes you can see summits that you couldn't see before, and so I think the best opportunity as a visionary is to really have a great achievement from which now you can see bigger mountains that God shows you. And so that's a, that's a fun way to think about the need to update is we've accomplished a lot and God has used us. Now let's reset the dream for, uh, for the next chapter. That's great. That's helpful. Very helpful. All right. Well, yeah. well, um, you know, one of the things I would really encourage uh, the people listening to this podcast would be to check out Oxano.com. Uh, you're going to find multiple things there, not just vision. You're going to hear more stuff on leadership pipeline, which, uh, which we connect very well together on. Um, you'll find stuff on discipleship. You'll find, uh, what else will, what, what, what else would you say? Hey, Oxano these days, these are, are kind of our things that we can really yeah. invest in you with. Yep. Yep. Well, we love clarity. Visionary planning is kind of the cornerstone service 
but as you're saying, we have we have uh, we have some generosity services, so we can help with, uh, you know, the classic capital campaign. Uh, we have some creative approaches to that generosity culture. We have an execution toolbox if you want help with you know how to schedule how to design meetings, um, you know how to how to how to meet monthly with your staff. Just kind of getting things done at church. We have some services there. We have a branding and communications uh, design. So once you clarify your vision, if you need a new brand, updated logo, tagline, you know kind of all the digital, you know, savvy that churches need to grow in today, we can help with that. And then finally, we have a discipleship design piece where we can help you design your groups and your kind of some of your disciple making systems if you want additional help with that. Good deal. That's great. I encourage you to check it out for sure. Absolutely. So uh, the other two things that will be in the show notes are uh, both books that we mentioned, Church Unique and God Dreams. So thank you so much for listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. Please go on to iTunes and leave us a rating and review and tell five people to listen to us. Thanks for listening. Wait, don't don't go yet. Don't hold up. Okay, so we are doing Pipeline West in the OC. That's right, Southern California, February 22nd and 23rd. So February 22nd is the actual conference day. That's Kerry Newoff, Tom Rayner, Eric Geiger, myself, Daniel M., Albert Tate. These people will all be bringing it for sure. You want to be there, not only because it's going to be great content, but it's February, okay? And this is California. So it's a sunny at 76 is good to be at any time of year, but especially in February. Hope to see you there.